May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be found acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. There's one way in which I, as a priest, can really relate to physicians. When you go to the doctor, there's always one question that you can count on them asking you, are you exercising? How much exercise do you get in a week? What kind of exercise are you doing? And uh, some of us get a gold star, and some of us sort of cough and, and hem and haw a bit. Our doctors ask us this because they know that regular, moderate exercise has such huge overall benefits for our physical health. And studies have shown that you don't need to be a marathoner or a fitness nut to receive these benefits as long as you keep taking those walks or runs around the neighborhood or lifting those five pound weights that you can get at Target. All of those simple things are gonna help you out in the long run a huge amount. It's the same with prayer. Most people that I've known in my ministry do have a genuine longing for spiritual community and spiritual wisdom. They admire the teachings of Jesus and they want to live their lives within the broad moral framework of the church. And I say broad because, you know, a lot of us have our our little bits of doctrine that we're like, "Mm, I don't know about that. But broadly, broadly, we want to be there. But prayer uh, on our own every day Many of us struggle with that, even though in Christianity that's the equivalent of exercise for our physical bodies, daily prayer on our own, and then corporately in church once a week. That's our exercise. In the parishes that I've served, I've noticed two main sources of resistance to regular prayer from people who otherwise are very committed to the church. The first is being intimidated by prayer feeling like sitting down alone with God is too daunting and people don't know where to begin or what to say and they're nervous that they would do it wrong, so they don't do it. The truth is prayer is not really very different from the other disciplines or practices that we have in our lives like doing yoga or learning a musical instrument. Half the battle is just showing up to do it and you can start where you are. We have the Lord's Prayer that we heard today. We have the Book of Common Prayer. We have a centering prayer group at Grace Church. All those things are great places to start. Um, Also, if you don't have a prayer book in your house, um, you can steal one from Grace Church. That's fine. I encourage you to do that. And it's not really theft then, because I've just told you it's fine. It's better for you to have it in your house and use it than to have it be stuck here all week. We have a lot of them. We can get more. The second resistance to prayer is what I've considered to be this unhelpful duality between prayer and action. I have a lot of people saying, um, you know, good works are doing something and prayer is doing nothing. And that's why they're not so into it. Um, Action beats contemplation. And that's why last week, if you were here last week and we had the gospel of uh, the story of Mary and Martha, Um, That gospel, more than any other chapter of the scriptures that we read, whenever that comes around in the three-year cycle, I always get tons of comments after church um, 
of folks who disagree with Jesus about that, that he, uh, they're annoyed. The annoyed Marthas rise up and um, talk about the importance of getting dinner on the table, the importance, you know, while Mary is just sitting there. Um, and it's not, you know, it's not a contest. What I say to both the intimidated non-prayers and the, the actives among us is that we've committed to following Jesus and prayer was really super important to him and we just can't get around that. Jesus taught his disciples this basic prayer that they could use in any situation. He commended those who prayed simply and briefly from the heart. He never said anybody has to be a prayer marathoner. Jesus was also in his own life an exemplar of someone who combined prayer and action, contemplation, and actually doing stuff in the world, healing people and teaching and um, reaching out to people in all kinds of ways. His actions were deeply informed by his relationship with God and his life changed the world. So I would say, why not give our Lord the benefit of the doubt about prayer? It was important to him, it can be important to us. In today's gospel from Luke, Jesus' disciples ask him to teach them how to pray. And I've always thought that's really comforting that even the disciples felt they didn't know how to pray and they, they were unsure about how to go about it. And Jesus begins with, Father, hallowed be your name. He addresses God directly, intimately as a parent. Father, you are holy, he says. We have a claim on God by virtue of our baptisms. Paul writes of Jesus in Colossians, for in him the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily, and you have come to fullness in him who is the head of every ruler and authority. Hallowed be your name, God, our Father and source of all. And he says, your kingdom come. Luke, unlike Matthew, does not include your will be done in the Lord's Prayer. I wonder if, as that was being read, you noticed some little differences. Your kingdom come. May God's order of things take over this world at the end of time, but also in the here and now. And some ancient manuscripts of Luke read here, your Holy Spirit come upon us and cleanse us. God's kingdom is personal as well as political. We are to be cleansed and holy and just and righteous, as well as that society in which we live. God, may your order of things take hold in my life and also in the world. Give us each day our daily bread. This verse always reminds me of the Israelites eating manna in the wilderness, the special crumbs that God sent like dew in the morning to feed his holy people as they wandered for 40 years. You can't keep manna or store it. It goes moldy. You have to eat it that day, except for the day before the Sabbath when it will last for two days. Receiving our daily bread is this acknowledgement of our utter dependence on God for every aspect of our survival. Those of us who are able to eat far more than just bread, who don't even have to bake our own bread, who can have as much food as we want, we easily forget this. With this prayer, we remember that our independence is an illusion and we all are utterly dependent on God and it can help us to also remember those who don't have bread on this day.
Another aspect of give us this day our daily bread is give us what we need, Lord, and don't give us what we don't need. Daily bread is enough, enough for today. As Americans, we have a lot of trouble with the concept of enough, and we outconsume every other nation in the world. My family watches a lot of baseball, and so there's a lot of, you see a lot of the same commercials. And there's this one commercial right now, I think for a cell phone service or something, where you know, everyone is getting more than what they asked for. Someone orders a bouquet and the florist delivers this like staggeringly huge bushel of roses or someone is buying a birthday cake and the birthday cake is like three feet wide and in the commercial this is great. Like of course you would want more. Um, but why would you need a birthday cake that's three feet long? <laughs> no. Why would you need, you know, seven dozen roses um, to give to someone? It's, it's not, more is not better. Um, give us enough. Give us our daily bread. Give us what we need for today and, and help us to resist that urge for more. Forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. Our own divine forgiveness, fortunately, is not linked on our ability to forgive others. Thank God for that. The Lord's Prayer reminds us that our sins are not just private, personal failings. They impact our community. We stand in need of regular forgiveness, and we need to regularly forgive others so that healing can happen and we can all move on together. Um, Sometimes we're trying to forgive someone for a deep and painful wound that they've caused us. And this may take a very, very, very long time and a lot of prayer and a lot of holy conversation with others. But most of the time, what we have to forgive are the petty, thoughtless actions of others that have wounded our pride. My prayer time is a time when I think about who I've wronged, where I've messed up, and who's wronged me. Forgiveness is a kind of muscle, and it gets stronger the more that you can exercise it. And you don't start with the big things, right? You can start with the small things. Start with the two-pound weights and work up um, to forgiving the larger things. And do not bring us to the time of trial, Jesus says. Luke does not have the opinion that trial or temptation can be character building. It's to be avoided. Save us from forsaking the way of Christ is another way to pray this. Protect me from going off the path and save me from stupid detours or for what seem to be greener pastures. The Lord's Prayer tells us what to pray for and the rest of our scripture readings for today tell us how to pray persistently and for others as well as for ourselves. And I think Abraham's prayer lets us know that every once in a while it's okay to bargain with God, <laughs> if you're, especially if you're praying for others' good. Here's the best advice I've ever heard about prayer. Pray as you can, not as you can't. If you can't sit in silence for 20 minutes, don't. If you can't sit still at all, Take a walk and pray, and then your priest and your doctor will be so happy with you simultaneously. Use the prayer book, or don't use the prayer book. Pray as you can, not as you can't. Start where you are. I really love the hymn, Sweet Hour of Prayer, that we sang. It is how I think of prayer in my own life. It's been a huge 
source of grace for me. And I'm not sure how I would have gotten through the challenges of the last three years without my practice of daily prayer, which is not one thing. It's all over the place. I pray how I need to pray on that particular day. I have a lot of tools in my prayer tool belt, and I pull out whatever is convenient. Prayer is perhaps the biggest tool that we have for our spiritual health and our growth. It's not a chore. It's a lifeline, and it's one of the best ways we have for letting God transform us slowly, day by day, into more loving, grace-embracing people. In God's name. Amen.